The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew. Jesus said, You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evildoer. But if anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other also. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. This is the gospel of our Lord. Thanks Thanks be to to God. God. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts help us to live and love like you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. You've probably heard the old wives' tale. If you swallow a piece of gum, it'll stay in your stomach for seven years. As an elementary school kid, I remember when I heard this for the first time, and I heard it from so many other kids that I thought that it was the truth. Now, my dad is a gastroenterologist, and when I told him about this old wives' tale, he told me it wasn't true. I questioned him, and then he gave me a whole entire anatomy lesson of the digestive system and how it works. Probably saying something like, you have heard that it is said that gum will stay in your gut for seven years, but I say to you, the stomach will empty into the small intestine that will lead into the colon, and, well, you get the rest of the story. In today's gospel, we are in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus is explaining a new way of life for his followers— In our verses for today, Jesus uses a phrase that I'm sure all parents say from one time to another. Jesus uses the phrase to teach those gathered around him. You have heard that it was said, but I say to you. This phrase actually goes along with our sermon series over Lent about forgiveness quite nicely. You have heard that it was said, forgiveness is challenging. But I say to you, forgiveness is beautiful. And each time in our reading for today that Jesus uses this phrase, it has to do with how we relate to those who are trying to do harm or evil against us. You have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evildoer. But if anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other also. Jesus tells us what not to do. Resist an evildoer. And then Jesus says again, you have heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Now Jesus is telling us what we are to do. Pray for our enemies. Why? Why would Jesus tell us this? so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. God wants to show us a new way of life, kingdom living. 
So in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus addresses just that, what it looks like to love and what kingdom living would look like even in the midst of hate and evil. In my opinion, this is one of the most widely misinterpreted and misunderstood passages of Scripture because we often hear it, hurt, we often hear it quoted time and time again, turn the other cheek, we must forgive. But what are we really saying? And if we aren't careful, what are we telling the world? Now, I'm sure that all of us would agree that this is not a piece of Scripture about letting people take advantage of you time and time and time again because you are to turn the other cheek. Or that we should teach victims of abuse that if abuser hits them, then they are to turn the other cheek. Or if a government is being oppressive to a certain group of people, that they should just take it and turn the other cheek. So what does turning the other cheek really mean? How can we clarify to the world what kingdom living looks like and what it's not? Flora Weller has a book called Forgiveness, the Passionate Journey. And in this book, she explains this passage of scripture in a way that just makes sense to me. Weller reminds us that this verse speaks specifically of being struck on the right cheek. The significance of this designation, she writes, would have been understood instantly by those who were there with Jesus. Because in the culture of the East, the right hand was clean. It was, honored. It was an honored hand used for eating, greeting friends, and fighting with an enemy that you considered an equal. Now the left hand was used for unclean tasks, including striking an inferior The only way to hit somebody on the right cheek was by using your left unclean hand, which is an insult, or the back of the right hand, also a sign of contempt. Therefore, to turn the other cheek, the left one in this case, challenged the one who struck to use the palm of their right hand. This gesture was a quiet, non-violent, but powerful way to remind that person of your own dignity and equality in the face of such an insult. This action robs the oppressor of the power to humiliate because you're asking to be an equal, reminding that person that you are a person too, just like them, that deserves to be treated with equality and respect. When we really think about it, Turning the other cheek is all about forgiveness. It's about standing up for yourself and asking someone to treat you like the child of God that you are. So what would that look like today? How can we turn the other cheek, responding out of a chance to forgive, to respect a relationship, and to live into the love of God? Well, think about these examples If someone were to make an insulting remark, maybe you could just take a moment to breathe slowly and deeply, and your response might look like, I wonder if you really meant it in that way. And if someone responds to a serious conversation with uh, with dismissive or inappropriate remarks, maybe you could turn the other cheek and say, is there something about this conversation that makes you uncomfortable? 
These ways of responding come from a sense of our own self-worth, a willingness to learn and grow. It's not submissive, but it's also not aggressive or defensive. Now, it is important to note, before Jesus gives this example of turning the other cheek, he says, do not resist an evildoer. But we miss something in the translation, because I think that the Greek might be better um, interpreted as do not use evil methods against evildoers. You see, if we become abusive to the people who are abusers, if we lie to those people who have lied to us, if we offer rudeness to those people who are rude to us, we take on the very nature of that person and become like them. If we match evil for evil, our enemy still has power over us. They hold all the control. Now, they might not ever say that they are sorry, but when we respond out of forgiveness, respect, and love, we are living in to the kingdom of God. We're changing the world to be more in line with what God's dream for this world was since the beginning. And if that isn't enough, Jesus doesn't stop there. He takes it one step further, saying, You have heard that it, is, that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be children of, the heavenly, of your Father in heaven. When we allow those we hate, we fear, or we just can't stand to be the center of our lives, they hold all of that power. But when we give them up to God in prayer and forgiveness, even if they haven't asked for it, then we are living into God's kingdom as well. As I've been praying for our seniors in high school and how their lives have been changed so drastically over the last two weeks, I was reminded the other day that this is the graduating class that was born during 9-11. They are more resilient than they ever even knew. And it also brought back a memory from the Sunday after September 11th when my pastor prayed in the prayers of intercession for all the families who lost a loved one in the towers and on, that, on those planes. But then she also prayed for the terrorists that attacked the World Trade Center. She prayed for their families at their loss. She prayed for all the terrorists behind the scenes of this horrible event. At first, I didn't understand. In the middle of the prayer, I'm pretty sure that my 11th grade heart dropped to my stomach and I felt like I was going to lose it. Yuck, why are we praying for them? They don't deserve our prayers. Their families don't deserve our prayers. They're never going to be sorry. Look at the destruction that they have left. Instead, she caught a lot of grief for praying that prayer that day. But in a subtle, or maybe not so subtle way, she was modeling for her congregation how to live into forgiveness, into God's love, and into kingdom living. 
Because when we truly pray for our enemies, when we let God take control and fill the places of hurt in our heart, we begin this journey of forgiveness, reconciliation, and love. We begin to move our enemies, who we judgmentally put at a place lower than us, back up to a place of equality, back to a place of being a child of God just like us. When Jesus says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you, you may be children of your Father in heaven. It's all about forgiveness and love. Now I'll be the first to say that this passage is difficult for me to write this sermon, convicts me at my core because I often hold on to things as well. But what I am constantly reminding myself of is that if I don't forgive that person, that situation, whatever it may be, it still has all the power and control over me. It keeps me from being a whole and healthy person. It keeps me away from being the person God is calling me to be. Now, I'm not going to say that I've arrived and I get it right all the time now, but it's a process. It's a process that we're all in together. It is a growth in grace, a growth in God. It's a discipline. So who are your enemies? Who are those people that you need to turn a cheek to and show them that there is a different way to live life? Who are the people that have hurt you? You have heard that it was said, but I say to you, forgive and love so that in everything you do, our great God in heaven may be glorified. Amen.